Hi, it's Shana here. Before this episode starts, I'm popping in with a quick reminder about our upcoming CEU on Thursday, May 16th on a person-centered approach to behavior management. School taught us a lot about ABA. However, the thing with ABA is that it's a science and it's constantly evolving. So a lot of what we learned back then doesn't always apply now. Today, we want to use a person-centered approach to behavior management, um, but what does that look like and how can our learners still make progress in this kind of approach? So join us live on Thursday, May 16th at 12 p.m. Eastern Time as Shira discusses how to use a person-centered approach to behavior management with your learners. This CEU is presented by our very own Shira Karpel. You can earn one learning CEU for ACE, QABA, or IBAO. Join us live at this event or to watch the recording asynchronously, go to howtoaba.com forward slash CEU. See you then. Hi, I'm Shira Karpow. And I'm Shana Gaunt, and we're board certified behavior analysts. At How To ABA, we provide practical resources, community, and support to ABA professionals. In each episode of our podcast, we will be having real conversations with real people sharing real stories about ABA. We'll share relevant strategies and actionable tips that will make us all better ABA practitioners. It's the ABA content you need that you're not going to learn in a textbook. As students become more proficient in manding and they move to an intermediate requesting phase, their mean length of utterance should increase and the types of mands that they use should expand. Students will begin asking for attention or be all done with something non-preferred. What kinds of skills should we be teaching at the intermediate level for requesting? So we see intermediate learners all the time. And that intermediate learner is someone who's talking in probably three or more word phrases. And, you know, their receptive vocabulary is okay. I mean, they're labeling and they're moving into attributes and prepositions, um, but they are still stuck on certain language things. They may be sticky. They may not be always responding to WH questions when they're mixed and they're, you know, done feature function class, but there's something more. Um, and oftentimes, you know, they've got an okay, you know, language repertoire, but their manding isn't awesome. You know, a lot of these kids can request for items and preferred things that they want, and maybe they're using three or four word phrases to do that. Uh, but the types of requests that we're seeing aren't that varied. You know, they can request for items, but that's about it. So how do we go beyond that? Yeah, sometimes we think of manding as, you know, an early learner skill, as something of someone that's developing communication, really, really focus on manding. And then it's often like manding for an item, which is a one word phrase. And when we're moving into the intermediate level, sometimes we focus so much on, you know, their pre-academic skills and their feature function class and other types of ABLE skills that we forget to expand their manding repertoire. And for those learners, it's really important to help them learn how to get varied needs met because they have many more needs than a beginner learner. They want things to go away. They want you to stop asking them to do things. They need help. They want more items than just their snacks at this point. And so we want to focus on teaching them how to get their needs met. So how do you really know what their needs are, what their mandating needs are? A great place to check is the F section of the ABLES, which goes through so many different types of mans uh, and gives you an idea of what your learner really is at this point able to ask for. 
It's so funny. Sheer and I always talk about never, ever teach to an assessment. Don't teach to an assessment. But the ABLES F section is really great. It does give you a lot of different ideas in terms of what types of MANs that you can teach. Um, you can also check out our how-to ABA assessment in our free materials section of our behavior resource. And uh, in there, you can see if your learner is ready for any intermediate requesting programs. And one of the other decisions you want to make at the intermediate level is whether to expand their mean length of utterance or expand their repertoire of mans. And you have to know your learner to know which is the right direction to go, because for some learners, they may really struggle with the expanding the mean length of utterance, but they need to get more of their needs met. So if we were to focus on having them speak in, you know, four to five word phrases, they would lose out on just being able to say, help me or go away or I don't like that. And so you may make the decision to, instead of making them speak in full sentences or five word phrases, to increase the amount of mans that they have in varied situations and circumstances. And for some learners, you may choose to increase their mean length of utterance if increasing their sentence length and phrase length is valuable to them. Absolutely. So, you know, we've already talked a little bit about requesting for items and, you know, really what that looks like is just, you know, um, juice, ball, toy, what have you, um, or it can be I want or can I have using varied phrases, may I please have, um, and trying to increase that mean length of utterance that way. But another type of request is requesting for um, actions or requesting with actions, requesting using verbs. Um, some examples of this can include open, like, um, you know, open door or open whatever container, open, open bubbles. Um, it can be blow, like blow bubbles, um, zip, like zip it up, you know, on the jacket, turn it off. Um, things like it's too loud, um, turn off lights, uh, give that, pass that. You know, if you're outside, you can do something like push, like on a swing, um, pick it up, a whole bunch of different requests using actions. And this is a great place to comment on the fact that we don't teach our learners manners. <laughs> we don't teach them to say, please, can I have it, please? I want that, thank you, because those are very abstract concepts. And if you notice, the examples we're giving are we're giving are very concrete. So we try to stay away from things that are parts of language that they won't understand. And that very often is a word like please, thank you, excuse me, things like that. So when you're teaching intermediate requesting, try to keep it very practical and very meaningful for your learner. There are a few exceptions to that, sometimes with cultural um, things or, you know, mom really, 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 really wants them to learn please. Um, but the reason why we say that is because sometimes please gets overgeneralized. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're trying to label something and you hold up a cup and you say, what is it? And they say, cup please, because it's tied in with that language or it gets overgeneralized. And then all they use is please, but they don't use the word itself. So they may want something and all they're saying is please, please, please. And they don't hear anything else. Um, so that's why we typically leave please and thank you out. It's not to say that we never teach it. You know, if a student can get over this hump of being an intermediate requester, you know, once the student is becomes more advanced and really understands the nuances of language, we absolutely add in those manners again. Yeah. Um, the other aspect of manding that we can focus on is requesting for assistance. So it may look like them asking for help, um, giving them a task that's too hard for them and teaching them to say, help me, I need help, this is hard, I can't do it, anything like that. Those are really great skills and take us contriving those situations and presenting, presenting those situations to them so that they have the opportunities to ask for help. 
Uh, sometimes you really want to watch your learner and see what they're doing because sometimes, you know, people will say to me, well, what order do you put some of these in? You know, do you teach them to request for assistance first or do you request, you know, with actions first, which one? And I, you know, my response is, well, what is your learner showing you? If your learner is showing any type of negative behavior around making a mistake, or if things are too hard, if they're showing any type of escape related behavior, you absolutely want to teach that request for assistance as soon as possible. And similarly, requesting protests, right? Those appropriate protests. If your learner, I mean, that's good to teach anyways, it's self-advocacy skills. But if your learner is engaging in any type of negative behavior because they're trying to protest, you definitely want to teach this. And we'll very often start by start teaching this by having visuals available. And we'll use those visuals as a support for teaching. So we may have a visual of protests or help me or things like that out on the table at all times that we're able to use those visuals to help support that language. Um, It's better than always relying on the echoic prompt or the verbal prompt to get them to use that language. And having those visuals there means that they can always be there as a reminder to the student that you can ask to get your needs met. Um, I teach protests a lot using visuals um, because it's, you know, kids get frustrated a lot. I get frustrated sometimes. And sometimes, you know, when people get frustrated, their words don't often come. So, you know, if you've got a visual on the table, it's a really quick prompt to be able to just point to that visual for the learner and then the learner can request. So, you know, we use them a lot. Um, Also, I guess a note on appropriate protests. This is something that I teach almost from the get-go. It is more of an intermediate skill. But if a student is engaging in any type of escape-related behavior or showing any type of sign of like, I don't want to do this, we really try and teach this almost right away. Um, And again, like I said before, it's self-advocacy and we want to teach our learners self-advocacy, right? So even little things like I will you know, take something from them. I wouldn't grab, but I would, you know, gently take something away from them. Or if they're, you know, having something right beside them, like a preferred toy, I would take it and right away prompt those words of, hey, give it back or, hey, that's mine. That's where the self-advocacy piece comes in. Likewise, if a student is, you know, um, I don't know, engaging in a really preferred activity and, you know, we have to terminate that activity and go on to something else, we're going to be wanting to teach things like one more minute or I'm not done that yet, things like that. And because um, a lot of challenging behavior is really a result of an underlying communication challenge, we want to really increase these communication needs so that we're not setting our kids up to have challenging behavior. So by increasing their language and requesting skills and getting their needs met, the goal is that they won't need to resort to other things to get their needs met. So, you know, the next thing that we typically teach is requesting for attention. And I have a story here similar to what Shira was saying is that, you know, I have a student who was in um, the in the classroom, like in a playground, and he was pushing kids on the slide. And the teacher came to me and said, this kid is engaging in aggression. And I said, really? Like, this kid doesn't engage in aggression. I don't see this, this kid doesn't have an aggressive bone in his body. No, no, it's aggression. He's pushing kids on the slide. Okay, went in, observed the behavior, and it really broke my heart because all this kid wanted to do was interact with peers. He just wanted to play. And him going up on the slide and pushing kids down on the slide was his way of trying to gain their attention. So that's another huge component that we need to teach is requesting for attention. You know, we always think probably more so about appropriate protests because, you know, kids will engage in escape-related behavior. But Kids really want attention too. Many kids do. So really working on requesting attention and how do you do that? Things like, look, you know, watch this, Um, but also play initiation statements, right? So, um, you know, lots of people will teach things like, can I play with you? 
hate that, by the way, because as soon as we teach a kid to say, I, I, can I play with you? Another kid says, no, 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 you can't. Um, so typically I would teach things like, what's that? What are you doing? <gasps> Look at that. Hey, check this out. Those types of play initiation statements. And those are all bids for attention, right? So that really is requesting for attention. And for those kind of skills, you don't want to wait until the moment that they need the skill to teach it. You want to contrive lots of situations where you can practice, practice, practice when they don't need to use the skills. So they're not at the top of the slide wanting to play with the other kid and then they push them down. But you're there to help contrive those situations so that you can get lots and lots and lots of practice trials in so that when they go into the playground, then they're more familiar with the phrase, I like that, I want to play with you, any one of those things. So you have to teach it with lots and lots of practice out of the moment so that they can then use it in the moment with your support. We do a lot of role playing and we'll, you know, actively act things out, role play. And then, you know, we may even role play with dolls or puppets. I've got one learner who loves Toy Story. So we act a lot of things out with Woody and Buzz Lightyear. Um, and other kids really like video modeling. So we'll actually do just a, you know, 10 second clip on our cell phones of two therapists, you know, setting up a situation and, you know, manding. And uh, sometimes that is very, very effective, just watching that video clip and then acting it out with the student. So some other things that you can work on if your student is learning attributes and prepositions and WH questions, then have them use them as requests, set up situations where they have to ask, where is it? Or where did it go? Oh, it's under the chair. Or they have to ask for the, the bigger crayon or the smaller crayon. Um, any one of those situations can be contrived so that if they're learning all of these things as language goals or skill acquisition goals, they're also generalizing them or using them more practically as requesting. Think about snack time. It's one of my favorite times to teach. And uh, typically I try and teach requesting like big, small, right? Do you want the big chip or the small chip? Unfortunately, nobody ever says I want the small one. It's always about the big chip, right? Um, but they are learning that, you know, do you want the clean plate or the dirty plate? Do you want your, you know, juice and, you know, do you want an empty cup or a full cup of juice? Um, so you can get in a lot of those attributes. It during snack time. Uh, similarly, with prepositions, you know, within, on top, under, you know, you can contrive situations where students have to go and get things like, oh, yeah, it's under this or it's in that, but that's not requesting. So, how do you contrive situations where they're actually saying, you know, where is it? That's a WH question, or hey, is it in the cup or is it in there? Is it on top of there? Um, you know, you can teach students to say, um, you know, request for something and say, I think it's somewhere it could be either in the cup or on the cup. What do you think? You know, stuff like that as well. And another reason why it's so important to teach requesting is because so often we find ourselves teaching our students to respond when asked. When we ask them a question, they respond. When we tell them to do something, they respond. And getting this requesting out of them really facilitates that initiation from them and that independence with speaking up when not being instructed or asked a question. If any of you are around, you know, typical kids, I was around a five-year-old this weekend and I could not get over how many questions he was asking me. By the end of the day, we were all like, oh my goodness, they didn't stop asking a single question. Where is it? Where are you going? Why'd you do that? What was it? Whose is that? And it was like nonstop. And that's a great skill for kids. It's how they learn. It's how they learn to advocate for themselves to get their needs met, how they learn about the environment around them. So it's not just that we want to teach our kids these words, like the language involved in requesting, but we want to teach them to speak up for themselves, to initiate conversation. And for a lot of kids, that's through asking questions. Uh, we talk about um, WH questions and, you know, which WH questions to teach first in terms of, well, I've got a child to, and I want them to request where, or do I want them to request what? Um, 
it's a debate. Look at typical language. You know, you look at, you know, a neurotypical two-year-old and they typically start with what? Um, I personally, as an ABA therapist, love to start with manding for wear because it's easier to teach. I can hide shoes when we're on our way to the park. I can hide, you know, certain snacks and they've got to go find them. I can hide things and they have to say where. Um, with what is it? It's really a tougher skill to teach, but it is one that's that that's in typical development, probably faster. And, you know, kids will say, what is it all the time? And I don't think they really want to know what it is because I think they know it. It's more of, they're saying, what is it? Because it's a bid for attention, right? They'll look at the airplane. They know it's an airplane, but yet they go, what's that? Right. You've all heard that. Um, so one way to teach this, and I took this page off of PRT teachers, um, pivotal response trainers, is that um, you can put a whole bunch of really motivating items in a bag and you can stick your hand in the bag and just wait and go get them to ask, what is it? Or you model, what is it? Or What's that? And then you pull out the bubbles out of the bag and you go, it's bubbles. And then you blow some bubbles and then you stick your hand back in the bag and you say, oh, what is it? And you pull something else out and uh, you can do it that way. I've always been taught, um, oh, you can do it with pictures they don't know. But after a while, there's no pictures that they don't know. So, um, you know, doing the fun things in a bag trick, not only is, you know, combats that like random things to teach them, but it's also way more fun than looking at like inkblots. Yes, there are so many creative ways to teach requesting. Again, just watch a you know neurotypical child and you can get so many ideas on the things that they're asking for and asking for you to do. Thanks for joining today's conversation. Wherever you get your podcast, please go and subscribe, rate and review so others can find out about us too. For more from How to ABA, including free resources and ABA materials, visit our blog at howtoaba.com. And make sure that you're following us on social media for more practical tips and updates.